When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First of all, being from the middle of the country, we're also in the middle of a lot of different styles. But we always, we, we've not wanted to be like elitists in any way. You know what I mean? Like we're, um, we want to have, make it known that everyone's welcome in our community. That was Nick Hexum, singer and guitarist for the band 311, talking about performing in some smaller markets in 2022. Nick and drummer Chad Sexton join us to talk about the state of the band, being out on tour, and much more on this episode of Behind the Set List. Welcome to Behind the Set List, the podcast where artists tell the stories about the songs they perform live. I'm Jay Gilbert from Label Logic. And I'm Glenn Peoples from Billboard. Before we get to the interview with Chad Sexton and Nick Hexum from 311, We'd like to remind you to subscribe to our podcast at your favorite service, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or what have you. If you like the show, share it with a friend, especially a friend who's a 311 fan. And be sure to check out our Spotify playlist titled Behind the Set List that contains every podcast plus songs mentioned or heard in the podcast. Yeah, and thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chad and Nick from 311 as much as we did The band has been going for about three decades. They started in Omaha, Nebraska, got signed to Capricorn Records, and released two albums, Music and Grassroots, before their 1994 self-titled album became such a huge hit and went three times platinum. That album had two songs that were radio and MTV hits, Down and All Mixed Up. Many of the shows they've played this year have been in secondary markets in the middle of the country, states like Montana and Wyoming. They have fans everywhere, not just on the coast and in major population centers. This year, 311 is live streaming six shows in which they perform an entire album. They've done two shows so far in New York City on October 1st and 2nd. Next, they will stream shows from Chicago on October 22nd and 23rd, and Los Angeles on November 11th and 12th. Check out 311.com on how to buy the live stream and merch packages. Yeah, they've amassed a huge catalog of music over the years, but they're mainly a touring band, and that's why we wanted to talk to them. 311 has made a name for itself with its energetic live shows. In 2022, they played 62 shows, according to setlist.fm. So without further ado, here's 311 behind the setlist. Let it roll. As we get started, can you tell us a little bit about the status of the band right now? There's been talk online about the band's future. Uh, bass player Peanut tweeted, you know, in May that he's taking a break from the band and wanted to fulfill some obligations. Can you just give us kind of a what, what's the status of the band right now? Oh, hadn't heard that. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, we, yeah, we went through a bit of a, 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 a rough time, and we've had some really good conversations lately about. Um, getting getting back on track and you know um you are look we're looking forward to the future again uh i think breaks are healthy 
and um, we have had a fairly intense um, touring schedule. And um, so nothing, uh, there's nothing really bad looming. Everything's uh, feels pretty well on track. And uh, we've, we've had some really good talks and discussions lately and we're excited about the next chapter. Good. Peanut included. Tell us about the recent tour that you guys, you just wrapped up a slate of shows, correct? Yeah, this year, um, you know, we've been touring a long time in our careers. And of course, the uh, pandemic came along and kind of cashed that in for everybody. But um, <clears throat> we started back up last year, uh, late last year, not in the summer, but late last year. And then, um, so we kind of hit, our normal stops last year we hit sort of the major cities and had a good run last year and then uh wanted to uh keep playing shows this year and so we decided to do secondary markets so this was <clears throat> one of the years that we do uh 311 day and so we played 311 day in march and then uh rolled on with the tour after that hitting secondary markets we kind of broke it up into three runs this year, sort of three smaller runs that were like four or five weeks long. And we just uh, pretty much finished that the third one, even though we do have uh, a couple of what we call album shows left, uh, two in Chicago, two in Los Angeles, and then a festival in uh, Mexico to wrap up the year. Nice. Does that do those short runs? Does that give you a time to get home in between before getting back on on the road? Is that does it make it a little more manageable for everybody? Yeah, I think so. I mean, <clears throat> it's it's a good balance, you know. Rather than staying out for maybe nine weeks or something like we've done in the past, um, but um, it's still it's still challenging. The more shows that you play in the year, you know. But um, but yeah, we get a small break right now before we head out to Chicago and then have another small break and then head out to LA. So everyone's at home in between those shows. Yeah. One of the set lists we were looking at was from higher ground music hall, South Burlington, Vermont on September 28th. And a couple of things. Uh, one is you, you open with homebrew, which is such a great opening song. I wanted to ask you about that, if that's kind of a, a typical opener for you. And the other thing I noticed on the set list was I didn't see Beautiful Disaster, and, and that's something that you, you typically play. Was that left off for any reason, or how did that work out? Bur Burlington, we did two nights in a row. Oh, that's <clears throat> so, so, you know, we don't like to repeat songs necessarily. So we were two nights in a row at the same place. So we like to really switch it up. So the uh, it's either the night before or the night after we would have played Beautiful That's that's the short answer. Yeah. But usually we do play Beautiful yeah. in the set list. And do you typically open with Homebrew? I'd say we have at least... I mean, we've tried a lot of different openers, but then usually it comes down to about maybe six songs that are kind of on rotation for um, 
to be a set opener and beautiful disaster is is a is a great opener and homebrew both of those have um two guitars and um you know it we used to kind of open with a, a wider variety but now we've just realized that certain ones work come original freeze time uh we've opened with do you write a few times and then of course when we play an album in, in its entirety we play whatever um that opener is um but you know we we like to it's nice to have a opener with two guitars where um we can have like we do a swell at the beginning which is um where we just all kind of sound off like a almost like an orchestra that's tuning up and where you can just feel the intensity build and it's also a chance for scotch our our mixer front of house mixer to kind of tweak the levels and then um when we rip into the opening song it's like all cylinders go you guys really mix it up night to night right which is good if you if i went to two shows in a row i'm not going to hear the same set uh two nights in a row right so how many songs do you have at your ready at any given time dozens hundreds could you just uh are they in memory could you bust out X number of songs at any given time in a night, or is, are you working off of a smaller group of songs that you're likely to play from? Sometimes we keep track of like how many songs over the course of a year, how many different songs we'll play. And I, you know, if it's a year with a three eleven day in it, then we'll be getting up into like the triple digits of different songs wow. that, that we're playing. Um, generally, uh, I don't know, Chad, do you remember like maybe, 70 80 well, different songs that will play over the course of the year yeah on a tour or something like that yeah it's like sometimes it's been up to 93 or something like that but i i would say on call i bet we have about just guessing 30 to 35 songs that we could pull out really but usually when we're doing 93 songs a tour it's it's uh we we do brush up at sound check on the ones that we haven't been playing and we do like to play familiar songs. So, those, you know, those are um, some of the hits um, that have been on the radio in the past. And and then, uh, you know, then we like to change it up. So we keep uh, throwing songs on, on the set, uh, set the sound check. And um, but, yeah, I suppose we have about 30 songs we could probably bust out without a sound check. But um, but to do the to do the 90 in the 80 songs in a year or whatever we have to we have to brush up on a few for sure yeah one of the resources that we use is setlist.fm because it'll show some of your recent set lists but it'll also show you know maybe what cover tunes you'll play and and i was just looking the other day and there was over 200 songs that you've played live you know in, in some of these recent tours and so it, it's certainly a lot and there were 21 songs in this show that we're talking about now i wanted to ask you a little bit about covers because you don't do a lot of them Right. Um, certainly, uh, we've heard love song from the cure. Um, and there, there were a few others. Um, is there any reason for that? Are there certain ones that you like to sprinkle in from time to time? I think three eleven day is a time when we're, we, uh, kind of look for a cool cover to do. Um, you know, we did, uh, John Lennon's imagine on this last three eleven day. I felt like it was a, uh, um, good um a message of unity that the world kind of needed 
Uh, and then on the previous 311 day, we did uh, Lively, Up Our, uh, Lively Up Yourself by Bob Marley, which was a song that we had done in the very early days of 311, back in like 1990, 91. Um, so, yeah, we're not super into covers. We love to just play our tunes, but um, that's something that's been kind of part of 311. And sometimes on the cruise, we'll, we'll figure out a special song to um, <clears throat> yeah. give them a special moment. Yeah, you mentioned the cruise. Tell us about the 311 Caribbean cruise and what that experience is like and for you and your fans and how you choose the artists that uh, you take with you. Um, you've got a lineup announced, I believe, for next year's show if arrested development and g lover on that if i'm not mistaken yeah red gold green what's it like what's it like to get on a boat with everybody and take off yeah it's quite a bit quite an event we do it uh every two years just like we do 311 day every two years so they just kind of rotate every year and you know we just um we get bands that we we think will be entertaining for everyone on there and you know, there's nothing but tons of entertainment on the boat from bands to DJs to comedians even. And um, everyone has a blast out there. So there's like nonstop entertainment, you know. Um, but yeah, I think we just kind of feel it out and ask some bands that either the band members will come up with or, you know, some someone in the management will throw out an idea or whatever. Um but yeah, everyone seems to love that event. So it's a, uh, it's a pretty fun event. Who in the band puts together the set list? I don't know if it's a Sharpie and a piece of paper these days. It's probably on a computer, but who, who typically puts together the, the set list? We take turns. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We actually have uh, at, at some point realized that the handwritten set lists are a nice collectible thing that, um, that would be nice to have and uh a lot of times we'll sell those at the merch booth because it's a one-of-a-kind thing so we'll we'll take turns um i used to i used to be the scribe and then i was like let's just take turns here and so we just pass it around we go we we remember whose turn it is based on um like a rotation of birth date you know what i mean so it would go peanut Chad, me, I'm the middle one, Tim, essay. That's like the, the order of ages and then start it over. So we pass it around, but it's it doesn't really change anything who's writing. We sit together and just talk it out. And, you know, over the course of, I don't know where we're at, 2000 and some shows, um, we, we just kind of have a, a feel of what type of crowd it's going to be, whether it's going to be more of a, a festival crowd, which is going to be more of a, um, you know, mainstream type situation or whether it's going to be a real uh, hardcore fan experience um, and just talk it out. And also we'll look at previous set lists that we played in a particular town to um, make sure that there's some nice variety of, especially of the, uh, you know, the deeper cuts. So they get to hear something different every time and make it worthwhile to keep coming back each year. You guys have played, I mean, just this year alone, a lot of different venues, uh, theaters, amphitheaters, festivals, 
state fair, county fair at least, maybe not state fair. What's the difference between, let's say, a festival crowd and an amphitheater crowd? What's the difference between those two shows? Between a theater crowd and an amphitheater? Sure, yeah. Well, for us, usually the uh, the theater or the club show is going to be more intimate. Um, the energy is going to be kind of higher. And so on those shows, we can kind of go deeper on the deep cuts that we play. Um, generally speaking, at an amphitheater, of course, depending on what type of show it is, but it's it seems that um, more of the more of the hits for a bigger audience seems to go over better, and so we kind of we kind of keep that in mind, you know, and just dial it out uh, how we see fit, and um, and of course, it's at an amphitheater, maybe the energy is more spread out versus so compact, you know, so. I think I think we like playing both style shows, you know, because it's great to have a lot of people there, but it's also great to go back to the theaters and clubs and watch the energy just, you know, go off the chain. I mean, and our, our shows in New York, there were there were people, you know, um, sort of moshing and just going crazy and, um, you know, crowd surfing. You saw people crowd surfing. I'm like, whoa, you know, this is this is gnarly. This is cool, but. Um, but yeah, it's a general difference, I think, that I see anyway. Yeah. There's one point in the show, um, this last one that we looked at, where you played Too Late and then you played Flowing, and uh, two, two of my favorites. And it was just, it made me think, is, are there s- songs that you really look forward to um, playing uh, each night that maybe are unexpected, maybe not... Uh, let's leave down out of it, but just are there certain tracks that you just really enjoy playing each night? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, we'll sort of have a special affection. I mean, it, it comes and goes like I'll, um, you know, find a special affection for a certain song. Um, Like to me, uh, a song like, like creatures for a while, which is a, a closer. I think we tried opening it with it once and it just did not work because you have to be like so limber and like ready to rock the place because it's so it's so physical and it's so much belting and it's it's so intense. Um but that's a very cathartic one that um, like, it's just always a, always have a special place in my heart for it. But, um, and then I say certain songs kind of fall in and out of favor. Um, You know, there was a while where we weren't really playing our, our cure cover for, even though it was, you know, getting streamed a lot and was popular, just didn't didn't really, it wasn't making the rotation. Um, But you know, it it just kind of uh, goes by sense of feel, and we also try and be responsive. I mean, you can't totally lead from like a focus group. You have to, you know, use your intuition, but we'll also listen to feedback from from fans and and friends of ours that are at the show. Do you guys look at streaming platforms to see like what's popular on YouTube or Spotify? Does that weigh in to tell you what people want to hear? 
I noticed, uh, I not regularly, but I did notice that uh, it just happened to come across it the other day that um, for a while, like Amber and Love Song were way out ahead. And now some of our like beautiful disaster and all mixed up have passed Love Song, which kind of nice that our actual 311 songs have you know um, moved up the charts ahead of a cover um so it is interesting to to see um you know different different trends but um you know you can't you can't watch that stuff too closely because it might drive you crazy (laughs) (laughs) you've been playing for decades so your your sets can be heavy on songs from you know the 90s for example how do you kind of balance your fans desire to hear you know, some of the old songs with maybe your desire, if it exists, to play newer material? Well, we just kind of, um, we look at it like, you know, there there are there are hardcore fans. Um, but then, you know, on tours, like what we were just on <clears throat> in all these cities that we're hitting from Casper, Wyoming to Fargo, North Dakota, there are, there are uh, you know, there are kids in our audience that that parents are holding on the rail. They're like eight years old, you know, and then there's always like the 15 or 18 year old. That's like, this is the first time I'm seeing you guys. So there's at this point after decades, there, there is a wide range of um, different style fans. So again, I think it really all comes to balance. You know, you like to do, um, the things that are familiar or like Nick was saying, look at the uh, streaming and make sure you include that. Um, then you like to include a couple of deep cuts, no matter what. And then, um, you know, you just kind of feel it out and kind of realize it's, it's not just one type of fan anymore, even though the smaller shows will mostly be, you know, hardcore fans, or at least, you know, a little bit of it will. And, um, so it's again, it's about balance, you know, it's about uh, keeping everyone in mind that, you know, there's there's new people here. There's people that have seen us 150 times here. Um, there's people that are 60. There's people that are eight years old. So it, it's just kind of a balance at this point, you know, to to um, to try and fulfill what what everyone is expecting. So it's uh you know, we try our best, but it's, uh, I'm sure some people have their opinions about it, but it's, uh, we try our best to, to do it for everybody, basically. Yeah. Before we hit record, I was telling Jay about a, a video I saw on YouTube recently was the comedian David Spade was doing a review of the Doobie Brothers at YouTube Theater in LA. And he, he was describing a stampede of fans that left their seats when the band announced they were going to play three new songs in a row. And, you know, I thought of like, well, I got to bring this up. Obviously, it's funny. You should watch the video. But, you know, that's one fan's opinion of of a band playing new songs. Um, Maybe he has a little less appetite for new material than than most fans. Hopefully your fans don't get up and stampede to the beer line. Yeah, I'm thinking there's definitely some we might get the opposite stampede. If if we said uh, we're going to play three hits in a row, there'd be certain people like, okay. I've, yeah. I saw all the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll go over to a bathroom at that point. So we'll probably, yeah. I don't think you should do three in a row, either old or new. I think you kind of, we, we generally go back and forth a little more. So, um, 
but we if we hear from our fans a lot like you know more new songs so the that's nice, but then you know the 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 old the classics get such a, a loud reaction. Sure. And you, uh, besides the 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 loudness and seeing the movement, you can also, as another metric, is see the amount of phones come out. Chad and I noticed, like on this last album, when we played the song "Champagne" for the first time on the tour, a ton of phones came out. like oh it was interesting it, it really yeah, got a lot of phones out for it <laughs> to, to, to film right not to talk to each other right, <laughs> right. to film the song because they liked it interesting can you change up your set list on the fly um i know a lot of bands can't because maybe they have screens or they have their lights programmed or whatever it is if you were playing a show have you guys ever just looked over at each other and said you know what let's let's do this this one next it's rare but it it has happened we've um you know a certain certain i don't know certain vibe that sometimes there uh, there's occasionally like a um a crowd that will chant who's got the herb which is just sort of a tradition and we might throw that song out or um i remember when we went down to mexico city and we played at not fest and uh we actually had this big debate over whether to play amber or not i was like i really think they're gonna want to hear it <laughs> and then i lost that uh discussion but then they started chanting amber amber <laughs> for like <laughs> i was like see they they wanted to hear it uh, but peanut was steadfast he's like i don't care <laughs> But um, you will will do some some change on the fly, but it's pretty rare. Uh, We basically kind of have it set ahead of time. You mentioned playing secondary markets. And, you know, on this recent tour, you played a couple shows in, I want to say, Montana. You hit North Dakota, Wyoming, Utah, Missouri, a lot of states that have fewer people than just my neighborhood in Los Angeles. Um, Really a lot of different uh, places in the middle of the country. What talk about your popularity away from the coast. Do you spend a lot of time touring? I mean, you're originally from Nebraska. Does that that play a part in your fan base in the middle of the country? You certainly don't focus just on the coasts or just the major cities. Well, first, it's been a fun year to get to go to play like Missoula, you know, who knew that we had a a good amount of fans there. And just for our own personal enjoyment to get to to take in the all the local colors and flavors. And I like to go for a a walk in uh, in the cities a lot or towns or wherever we might be and maybe go and find, especially if there's like a waterfront, I'll just like look at Apple maps and go and like, Oh, there's a, there's a river. Let's go walk down to that and, and check it out. But um, yeah, I think, you know, first of all, being from the middle of the country, we're also in the middle of a lot of different styles. And, um, but we always, we, we've not wanted to be like elitist in any way. You know what I mean? Like we're um, we want to have, make it known that everyone's welcome in our community. And um, so it it was nice to 
show some love for the the smaller towns that we have probably just been neglecting out of uh you know being being pulled to the bigger cities it sounds like you still enjoy it um i heard a, a musician once say that he plays for free that they pay him to travel um that it's such a slog. Do you still enjoy it? I do on stage every time. Um, I, I often say that I'm, I'm, I feel pretty lucky that I enjoy still playing drums and, and playing in the band, you know, the way that we're performing. Cause I, I think that um, over time that we've really improved and I keep, seeing improvements um and um and so i i know i know it some year those improvements will stop i get i get that but um but to me it hasn't happened yet you know and i think we're still going strong so that that's kind of enjoyable i often say that i wish athletes could get to our age that we're at you know in our 50s and um and experience what happens sort of mentally, you know, um, with doing it for so long, because, you know, it, it's kind of, it kind of parallels. It's like in real time, you just can't, you know, stop sports or stop a music performance and be like, Hey, wait, wait a second, let me do that over. You, you know, you can't do that. And so there's a parallel there. And I know, you know, athletes usually have to cut it out, you know, and, um, but what, what, in my opinion, what's happened like mentally is so enjoyable after a certain period, um, just because you have so much experience. And then, so any of the, I guess, problems that you might experience or things that come at you in a live performance, you know how to solve them at this point, you know, whereas before when I was younger, I didn't know how to solve it and I'd get very, very frustrated. And that would kind of spin my whole performance out personally, you know, but at this point, it's kind of like we've seen each situation multiple times. And um, so I, you know, I guess back to the answers. Yeah, I, I still I still enjoy playing on stage. Absolutely. Yeah, I like what you said about improving. It reminds me of that that joke about the 94 year old cello player that practice every day. And they ask him, yeah. like, you know, why do you keep doing this? And he goes, I feel like I'm improving. You know? right exactly which yep. is awesome yeah yeah i enjoy travel i enjoy the shows i enjoy the feeling of usefulness i mean you know one thing that we take a lot of inspiration from is um when we you know do these like meet and greets and get some fan interaction and people tell us like how our our band has gotten them through hard times and um how how deeply the, the message um affects them so that's just a it's it's more like a calling than any kind of um you know business so you really it you get a real sense of, of feeling of usefulness and um just it's just such a positive feedback that that we get from it um so just finding that right balance of home time and touring time but you know you there's tons of people you know bob dylan paul mccartney i mean these dudes do not need the money they do it because they love it because there is there's just something 
special about it. This is it's it's an honor and a privilege to get to do, and um, most of the time it it gets taken away from people before they choose not to do it. So we're going strong. What are the places in the country or out of the country that you like returning to? Maybe a venue like Red Rocks or a city. Is there? What do you like that you know that you look forward to on the tour? Well, I enjoyed playing some of these really old theaters on this last run. Um, Richmond, Virginia was like, you know, 150-year-old theater, a bunch of them um, up in Niagara. Like, we were on a run where every night I was like, so the ornateness of the theater and just the... It's crazy to think all the expense and, you know, uh, you know, time and handiwork that went into these really fancy um, facades and ceilings and uh, pernicium. Is that what they call it? Whatever they call that thing that goes around the stage. And um, so I enjoyed getting into the uh, and being into some of these cool theaters. But then, of course, when you get to a a beautiful outdoor theater like like Red Rocks is um, it's life changing experience. And we've put, we've played there. I think we have. They give you a statue each time at Red Rocks. It has a little piece of the rock. Oh, wow. I think we've got like over fifteen of them. So that's pretty pretty nice. Yeah, that's very cool. So so what what's next for Three Eleven? You guys have been working so hard. You're always writing, recording, touring, talking to knuckleheads like us. Um, what's next for you guys? Well, we've got um, these album shows coming up. We've got the first two under our belt, and then we have three, four in Chicago and five, six in L.A. And then we've got a, a destination show. We're going to participate in uh, Slightly Stupid's festival down in Mexico. And then we've got the cruise coming up and... Um, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about new music. I think everybody is always writing and, um, but also, you know, taking a little bit of a breather. So, um, just keeps, train keeps rolling on. Thanks for listening to Behind the Set List. Be sure to subscribe and follow us at your favorite streaming platform. You can check out our Spotify playlist titled Behind the Setlist that contains every episode and songs heard or mentioned in the episodes. For more Billboard podcasts, go to billboard.com backslash podcasts.